Anybody has any questions before we continue? It was a very deep discussion last year. So I'm just wondering if it's clear. I don't know if it's clear, if it's a little clear. It's a great question. (laughs) It's a great question. Should we even try to understand any of this? (laughs) Right? And I think that you know, coupled with the humility that we're dealing basically with what the Mimer calls ayin. Ayin, as I often translate, is not nothingness. It's no-thingness. No-thingness. <laughs> That's what nothingness is. Which means not that it's nothing. It's actually everything. It's not defined by a thing. No thingness, not nothingness. No hyphen thing, hyphen any SS. In other words, it's not defined by thingness, by a thing. It's not fixed. It doesn't have a certain image or color. And it's an ayin where everything is born where all newness comes from. Because real newness is not being stuck, not being a thing, but going to, going back to the space of no-thingness, where new things can emerge from ayin. And the first bridge from no-thingness to thingness is chachma. That's what chachma is. As the Pasuk says in Mishlei, As I said in the previous class, the Alter Rebbe's explanation in this Pasuk is, it's based on a Zayar, based on a Gemara and Saita, Chachma emerges from Ayin. It's our contact with Ayin. So do we understand it? Can I wrap my brain around Ayin? No, because if I could wrap my brain around it, it's not it. But just to tell me that uh, I shouldn't go there, I shouldn't deal with it, I should ignore it, it's really ignoring my fundamental essence. <laughs> because everything emerges from ayin. The world is yesh me ayin. So we talk about it, and we remember that as much as we talk about it, silence is always much deeper than any word. And that's why the meditative experience of it is far more authentic than the conversation about it. Because by definition, you're dealing with something that you grasp through silence much more than through words. Is even silence adequate to grasp it? Also not. (laughs) Even silence is a form of yesh. But it's just one step deeper, one step higher. And this is the journey of a person. The journey of a person is to be able to go deeper and deeper into my ayin, where everything in my life becomes aligned with my ultimate true essence and the ultimate true essence. So uh, that's why we learn it. I hope I answered your question. I'm not sure I did, but uh, yeah.
So what have we been what have we been exploring here? Uh, a lot. After a whole long discussion of midos and seichel and machshava and hergish, meaning that the Maimir explained that midos are deeper and truer and, so to speak, more authentic than seichel. Seichel is what my soul cultivates, possesses. Midas is who I am. It's it's the color of my soul, so to speak. It's a mirror of characteristics that are embedded in the essence. And a long explanation what that means, which we discussed in the previous classes. After a long explanation, then, how we see that seichel, ideas, rational ideas, perspectives, thoughts, verbal thoughts, pre-verbal thoughts, but thoughts, values, impact, emotion, which is hergish, the visceral experiences of the body where I emotionally react. And he explained that it's not never that Seichel creates Bidais. No. Seichel is a Maramakim. That's the word. It's a Maramakim. It's like a street sign that points, it, it gives the primal drives, it gives our primal drives information that it needs in order to be able to be aroused, triggered, birthed. It brings it out, but it does not create it. The chemistry of the Mida and the origin of the Mida and the DNA of the Mida is not formed by Seichel ever. On the contrary, the Mida is much deeper than the Seichel. What the Seichel can do is can give birth, birth to the Mida. And yes, we speak about feelings and emotions that are always born from awareness and born from ideas and born from cognitive processes. Hence, we talked is the that concept of, of CBT, the power of cognition, of awareness, in terms of my responses, my emotional responses and reactions, which are based on the way I see things, on the way I process things, on the way I understand things. That's all true. And that's where the Seichel seemingly has such a powerful impact on the Midas. But he says, nonetheless, they never create the Midas. They tune in to a pre-existing Midas and give it a form and allow it to be birthed by categorizing, by labeling, and therefore pulling out the primal drive from its from its 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 internal powerful intense primal and primitive state and and coming out and that's a very powerful process and yet he still wondered how seichel can have any impact on midas any influence on midas when really in the world of primal midas of primal drives Seichel really is no master, nor does it even exist. <laughs> it's not the Balabas and it doesn't exist. That's all from previous year. 
and I know that this is this is complicated. This is heavy stuff. Go back if you need to go back, and it could replay double speed, single speed, and learn it over. What is even more, we learned about how midos exist in every person at every age, from day one, from the day, from the moment you're born. And he says, why? Because midos is just a mirror of the soul, and if you have a soul, you have midos. Not like seichel. Seichel, there's people who have seichel, people who have less seichel. People, chas v'shalom, you say, they chaser das, they mamash have no seichel. Certainly the expression can be very, uh, when you say seichel, again, what do you exactly mean? I mean, every person has some, the brain functions for a person to live. But the process that we call seichel, organized intellect, the discernment, he says a lot of stages and you need development, etc., when it comes to Midah's primal drives, it's no difference. You see, this person is a bar seichel, not a bar seichel. Midah's there are. And they're there by a child the day he's born. Nonetheless, we see that the Midah's go through major developmental states. In Kabbalah, it's called Ibur Yenika Meichel. Which we also explained and associated with the amygdala, the limbic brain, which is part of the amygdala system, and the prefrontal cortex. And Armidas really grow, he says, this godless, they grow and they develop and they mature in different stages that he spoke about, also very intricate ideas about how Midas develop. But how can that even be? That Seichel, by development of, uh, of awareness and discernment, can have any impact at all. Even just being a marimokai, and certainly on the actual nature of the Midas. And this is where the Lubavitcher Rebbe introduced the idea that even if you're going to say that Seichel impacts Midas only when they're weak, when they're not in their primal, uh, intense state, it's when the animal is, 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 much, is much more meek, and therefore more receptive. But how does it even get to that place? You can't say that that Seichel does it, because you just said that when the Midas are primal, Seichel has no in. And here the Rebbe introduced in chapter 6 of this Maimer, what real Seichel means. Real Seichel, real intellect, real cognition, is not here to give rationalizations or explanations or justifications. Real seichel is not only here to give objective analysis. Yeah, that's what we like to do. We like to give analysis and we like to give perspective and we like to discern things. The real nekudah of seichel is to introduce me to Bittl. to ain't safe, to ayin, to nothingness. That's what the real objective of seichel is. The real objective of seichel is to take me out from the realm of thingness and introduce me to the realm of no-thingness. In the language of chsidus, bittel. To align me or to open me up to infinity. This is the real objective of seichel. <laughs> Yes, I know Seichel is rational and objective and, and, uh, 
and it's, it's, it looks to explain things and categorize things. That's all true. But when you speak about the objectivity of Seichel, what is the real core of it? It's the real ability to be able to go out to transcend identity and align identity with the core of with the core of me that transcends identity. Identity is yesh, it's thingness, it's fixed. Ayin is no thingness, like you called it before the empty space. Real seichel is here to help me open me up to that space. Within seichel itself, this is the function of chachma. And it's why he quoted from the Tanya, 30, chapter 35, that the Baal HaTanya, the Alter Rebbe, heard from the Magad, that the Eitz Chaim says, the Arizal teaches, that Ein Soif is channeled in every world, even in the highest world of Atzillus, only through Chachma. Quote, end of quote. Because Ein Soif is Echad HaEmes. It's the true, true oneness. It's the true Echad. It's the Echad HaEmes. It's the true unity. Because it's infinite. It's all, it's everything. Nothing is excluded. In Ein Soif, nothing has to be amputated. He alone is he, and there's nothing outside of him. Nothing has to be outside of him, because real Ein Soif is everything. It encompasses everything. It's the source of everything. And this is what Chachma touches on. All the other faculties in a person ultimately are defined by identity, by an I. Chachma is the bridge from an I, from a finite I, to the I that transcends I-ness. I know I made up a word. I hyphen N-E-S-S. <laughs> it transcends... Right, so, so no, that, that's the real function of Seichel. The real function of Seichel, which begins with Chachma, is that's the real Nekuda of Seichel. The real Pnimius of Seichel, huh? Yeah, we look at Seichel as Yeshus. He says, that's not Seichel. We look at Seichel as, you know, analysis, genius. He says, no, real Indian of Seichel is objectivity. What's real objectivity? Real objectivity doesn't mean I'm going to be cold, I'm going to be detached. Real objectivity means that I can open myself up to Ayin. And that's the, and that's in Chachma, that's the Nekudah of Chachma. Chachma could be a bridge, a channel for Ein Saif, because the definition of Ein Saif is, if you, I'm, I'm using the word definition, I know that's not the best word, but the definition of Ein Saif is, Hu Levadei Hu that it's all, that it's oneness, that there's nothing outside of it. That's the definition of Ein Saif. Echad Who can be Taif as this? Only that which doesn't have an eye. What doesn't have an eye? Chachma. And that's the real Pnimius of Seichel. The real Pnimius of Seichel is not intellectual analysis. That's the Levush. That's the garment. The real Pnimius of Seichel is to open myself up to the space of no I-ness, of no I, 
of higher, no I, of higher than I, which is the real I, <laughs> which is the real I. It's, it's not no I, it's, it's the real I. It's not the eye of Yesh, it's the eye of Ayin. Vachachma me'ayin timotze. Excellent question. You're asking, you can't pull yourself up by the hair of your head, because <laughs> you're the one pulling. Huh? You can't pull yourself up through the strings of your boots, or the strings of your the shoelaces. So you're saying, how can the eye open myself, how can my eye open myself up to that which transcends my eye, when that itself is happening through my eye? That's a great question. We call that confirmation bias, right? There's always a bias. I'm doing it, so I'm always there <laughs> to control it, to manipulate it. That's why the word bitl is so important. The word bitl means that I'm ready to let go. Now, how can I be ready to let go if it's me letting go? So the answer, the Hasidic answer to that is because the true, real truth of my eye is transcendence. The real truth of my eye is not ego. The real truth of my eye is ayin. So I want to open myself up to the real, real me, so to speak. But yes, there are layers, and I always have to work through those layers and not be afraid of I. Yeah. That's, yeah. My I and Hashem's I are one. And Chachm is that bridge. Yeah. Chachm is that bridge. Yeah. Very well. And this is the idea of the impact of Seichel over Midas. It's not that Seichel has control over Midas. Never. It's not that Seichel can even tell Midas what to do. <laughs> it's not even that Seichel, it's not that Seichel develops Midas. And as we said, Midas are deeper in the soul than Seichel. But when my primal drives are introduced through Chachma, through Seichel, to infinity, this is not a war on the primal drives. This is not manipulating them. This is not controlling them. This is opening them up to their own ayin, to their own true mitzvahs. It's allowing the primal drive to experience ein seif. When the primal drive experiences ein seif, it can relax. <laughs> so seichel allows the primal drive to become deeper, to become even more authentic, to become even more true to itself. What is its true self? That it comes from Ein Saif, that it's in a reflection of Ein Saif through a particular primal drive, through Chesed, through Gvura, through Teferis, through Netzach, through Hoyt, through Yisrael, Malchus. As we said, Ein Saif is channeled in every world through Chachm. Excuse me, Rabbi, like if the Midas is open to Ein Saif, how can you... can open Midas to Ein Saif. <laughs> Midas, by definition, is Midas means a shape, a size. And that's why primal drives are so embedded in me, because I have a certain shape. My soul has a certain color, a certain size. If Seichel is combating Midas, it's never going to work. That's why you can sit in therapy or sit by a person, and they'll explain to you why your Midas are off. It's irrelevant. It's ineffective. 
if Seichel is coming as an enemy to the Midas, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to show you, you're, in, you're stupid, you're a moron, you're an idiot, you're immature, you're a baby. You're not dealing with the world of Midas. You're creating a cover-up which looks like Seichel, and you're never really tuning into the world of Midas. The world of Midas remain as is, untouched, unscathed, and therefore as wounded as before. The real function of Seichel, especially of Chachma, is Bittl, Ayin. Not to have a position. <laughs> not to tell you how to feel and what to feel and what not to feel. <laughs> and try to do a surgery on your midos, which Seichel will never be able to do because midos come from the essence. The, these are my primal drives. Much of life is colored by thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So that's the challenge. What, right. Right. So, 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 so here, here is one of the core issues. And I see here this as one of the most important points being said here. We often use seichel, listen to this, because we're afraid of midas. We are fearful of our primal drives. They are too intense. They are too serious. They are too primal. They are too powerful. They are too ferocious. And I want to, I want to like get into the closet. You get into the closet. You know how in the adventure, in, in, you go to amusement parks, I mean, we go with camp to Six Flags or these, these, and they have these games of things popping up and you have to, you have to knock them down. <laughs> these men, these little people, they pop up, boom, you have like a hammer, boom, 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 boom. Another one pops up, another one pops up, another one pops up. So that's why, how we use Seichel. It's like, your midas are popping up, boom, 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 boom. Go back into hiding, you sherets, you bay, go back. <laughs> Go into hiding. That's the exact opposite. And that doesn't work. Because you're afraid of your midas. In other words, the midas are going to win. What do I mean they're going to win? They're going to come back to haunt me. I'm not dealing with them. I'm using my seichel because of my fears, my traumas. that They're feeding into my insecurities or my fears or sometimes my traumas or or my anxiety, or my pain, or my wounds, whatever it is. And they want to control the midas, and like do a surgery on the midas. He says, you don't understand what midas are. The real language of seichel, the healthy language of seichel, is the language of alignment with Einsaif. That you're not fixed. You're not limited. You're not a thing. You come from no-thingness. And when Seichel, especially Chachma, introduces that reality, now the Midas can just melt in ecstasy with their own oneness, with their own Einsef. That's what it means Seichel can make, when the Midas are, Seichel creates a weakness in the Midas. Weakness doesn't mean the Midas become weak as losing their power. They can relax they open up. Because Seichel spoke the language of Ein Saif, Chachma introduced Ein Saif. Not fear. Not fear of the Midah. And he went into the long explanation about the difference of Ratzin and Tainug. Desire and pleasure. Both are the I. They're not ideas. There's my desire and my pleasure. But he said the difference is Tainug is who I am. Rotson is what I want. 
Tainug is who I am, Ratzin is what I want. And therefore, Tainug is, so to speak, deeper than Ratzin. Tainug affects reality through closeness. Ratzin affects reality through distance, through authority. This is what I want. When Tainug comes out in a lower conscious space, it's Chachma. When Ratzin comes out in a lower conscious space, it's Midas. So the Pnimiyas HaChachma is really aligned with the Pnimiyas HaTainug, with Etzim HaNefesh, with Tainug. And therefore, it can create a Bittal in the Midas because the Ratzin is open to Tainug. This was the main point. Somebody wrote. Sorry, what is Tainug again? Tainug is pleasure. Somebody wrote after last class. There's something that was meaningful. I want to read. One of our very loyal uh, students, dedicated. I shouldn't say yeah, loyal and dedicated and uh, thoughtful. The Mimer is teaching me that the experiences that I can't wrap my brain around because I'm not able to make sense out of them are as much part of reality as the experience and the experiences that my brain can process and make sense of. This is so vital for my healing, especially when we experience trauma. And this person, I should say, experienced a lot of trauma throughout their life, sadly. Especially when we experience trauma, which consists of experiences that we cannot process, we cannot digest. They just don't make sense. How do I ever heal from that space, which never, ever could be accommodated by my being, by my rationality, by my brain? For example, if I need surgery and a surgeon makes an incision in my belly, It won't be traumatic because I can wrap my brain around it. I understand why he's doing it. Yeah, he's cutting open my stomach because he wants to remove something dangerous, something that might kill me. But if I'm attacked by a gangster and that gangster stabs me, I won't be able to digest that experience. My brain can't hold such an experience. It doesn't make sense. Why is he doing this to me? And imagine a child who goes through these things. A child who goes through abuse, a child who goes through neglect, a child who grows up in institutions or homes that don't understand him and he feels alone. This becomes trauma. Healing happens when I can begin to make room for those experiences and find some meaning, some sense. The place that can allow me to hold all these senseless experiences that we can't wrap our brain around is in the reality of silence, in a consciousness of ayin. When we try to integrate trauma into the world of Yesh, it's a constant combat that I will never win. This mimer is showing us from where ultimate healing sprouts, from the reality of I in a place of surrender, of humility, a place where the mind can stay with experiences that can be wrapped around our brain, experiences of chaos and uncertainty, and one does not feel homeless anymore because this is a place where all my chaos can live with respect and with compassion. 
And that's what I'm learning here, that the experiences that I can't wrap my brain around because I'm not able to make sense of them are as much part of reality as the experiences that my brain can process and make sense. So this is very, very beautifully put. Very beautifully put and healing. So this is really what Chachma does. And that's why Chachma can be so healing for the Midas. It never contradicts the Midas. It never fights the Midas. No. It, it, it allows the Midas to become, to become so much more real. It gives space for all of my deepest, deepest primal drives. Because it's not afraid of Ayin. Chachma is my bridge to Ayin. That's what it is. And once that happens, the primal drives, they're not being negated. They're not being stabbed at. They're not being traumatized. They're not being repressed. They find a home in Ayin. They find a home in Bittal. Because everybody finds a home in Ayin. Because if it's real Ayin, it's never exclusionary. You get it? The Brazilian, everybody finds a home in Ayin. In Yesh, depends how rich you are, right? <laughs> depends how popular you are. Depends how good looking you are. Depends how smart you are. Depends how affluent you are. Depends where you live. Depends who you rub shoulders with. <laughs> Not everybody can get in. Not everybody can get in. But in Ayin, everyone has a home. Everybody has a home. Because Ayin is not afraid of anything. It's not afraid of anybody. It, it, it doesn't have to... It's not stereotypical. It doesn't make... The law says stereotyping. <laughs> it's not afraid. So that's where the Midas, the deepest, deepest Midas, which are Etzim HaNefesh, find a home. And that's what he says. Real Chachma is an expression of Tainuk. And Ratzin always responds to Tainuk. Let's now go Siv Zion. Again, it's the bottom of page 148. Um, I'll put, the, I'll put the, the source sheets here in the chat, in the Zoom, if somebody wants to open it. Page 148, or you can also go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net, and uh, you have it over there. Based on all of this, we'll understand that this is a mirror of how it is. Lamaila, Lamaila means by Hashem above. Words. Midas are primal, they're intense. And they're not going to go through changes. We're talking now about Hashem. The Pasuk says in Shmuel Aleph Tesvav. Shmuel HaNavi tells Shaul, Kiloi Adam Huli God is not an Adam to regret. What does this mean? In the level of Moichin, awareness, cognition, this is called Adam. This is what makes you an Adam. An Adam is Seichel. Over there, there's changes. There has to be changes. Yesterday I thought this, today I think this. My mind develops, my brain develops. There's new ideas, there's new angles, there's new details, there's new reality, there's new data, there's new information. There's maturity, there's opening up yourself to new ideas. It's all about changes and growth. That's the definition of real science and of real intellect. If I say this is an idea and I'm stuck in this idea forever, it's not an idea, it's a bias. 
When you come to the world of Midas, and in Kabbalah, this is the Merkava, the chariot, which raises, you have it, the, 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 the Navi, Cheskel, speaks about the Maisa Merkava. So he has all of those angels who are carrying a throne, and on the throne you have an Adam, it's called Adam Sha'al Hakise. So in Kabbalah, the angels carrying the throne is Yitzira, the throne is Bria, Kisya covered is Bria, the Adam on the throne is Atzillus. Generally, Adam is represented by Moichin, by intellect, by Seichel. But then there is raising the Adam to a place of Loyadam, Kiloyadam, Bahamidis Leshaikhshina. So Shmuel Hanavi tells Shaul, Kiloy Adam Hulihinachim. He's not an Adam to regret things. Literally, it means. He's not an Adam. He's not a person. He's not going to change his mind. The Rebbe says it's something much deeper. The world of Seichel is all about change. That's the world of Adam. But then there's the world of Loy Adam. Loy Adam is beyond Adam, higher than Adam. Beyond Adam, that's the world of Midas. Bahamidis le Shayach Shinoi. In Midas, there's no change, no changes. Vitam Hadavar hu because Zah comes from Atik. This is, he said earlier in the Maimer, so I'm not going to get into it, but earlier in the Maimer he explains Zah, which are Midas, come from Atik. And because of this, Midas, what are Midas here? Midas, we're talking now about the primal, the primal drives of the person. The primal drives, for example, Chesed Kvura, my longing for attachment. That's an example of a primal drive, my longing for attachment, my need for attachment, as we call it today. Attachment disorder. <laughs> or my need, gvura, my need, my longing for authenticity, to be me. All the explanations in the world are not going to change those primal drives. The same is true with Tiferes, Netzach, Haid, Yesaid, Malchus. This comes from Atik. Atik means this is who I am. And it's not because it makes sense. It's not because you gave me explanations. It's not because it's rational. It's not because I read a book on philosophy or I read a book on psychology. And therefore, I have these. Books can impact me. We spoke about the impact. But the core mida is not going through a change. It's not being changed. It's not being altered. And that's where the toikiv, the primal energy and ferociousness of midas comes from. This is even true when you're talking about Midas of the world of Tikkun, where there is generally integration and interconnection, interconnectedness. If you're talking about the Midas in the world of Toyu, in the world of chaos, and in the world of Toyu in a person, which are even more intense, the because generally the spheres, the characteristics in Toyu are much more intense. Especially though Midas are even more powerful. There's even more intensity. We explained before why are Midas so powerful? Why are they more powerful than Seichel? Why are they so intense? Because they're primal, because they're pre verbal, because they're pre machshava, because they're pre Seichel. They represent the essential soul 
And again, he uses this fabulous expression. They mirror characteristics that are rooted in the essence of your soul, and he calls it hashrasha pshuta be'etzim anefesh. It's rooted in the most deepest fashion, in the essence of your soul. That's why they're so primal, they're pre-verbal, they're pre-machshava. And that's why we call them midas, like emotions, even though emotions may not be the right word here, because emotions, I may not feel it in my body, I may not have a visceral reaction, but it's not just an idea. My primal drive is not just an idea, it's who I am. It implodes or it explodes, it consumes me, this is who I am. This is not just an idea, it's not a thought. So the intensity of Midas, the power of Midas, the strength of Midas, comes because of their source, what they're reflecting. They're not reflecting an idea. They're reflecting me. So in the world of Toyu, because there's two worlds, there's the world of Toyu and there's the world of Tikkun. In Kabbalah, we have Toyu preceding Tikkun. God first creates a world of chaos. It gets destroyed, and on the rubble of Toyu, he creates Tikkun. We explained this in many of my modern what this means. The synergy, the, the connection between the lights and the vessels in Toyu is very different configuration than in the world of Tikkun. In the world of Tikkun, the vessels are larger than the lights. In the world of Toyu, the lights were larger than the vessels. The containers couldn't contain the lights, so the containers got crushed from the intensity of the light, and the lights also couldn't get along with other lights because each one was infinite. And on the debris of the destruction of Tayu is built Tikkun. So all of us are made up of two worlds. We have within us the ten spheres of Tayu, and we have within us the ten spheres of Tikkun. So he says, even in the world of Tikkun, even there the Midas are extremely intense. In the world of Tayu, <laughs> they're even more ferociously powerful and primal. Because in Tayu, everything emerges the way it's in its source. There's no filter in Tayu. That's the problem of Tayu. It's like people who have no filters. You know those people? You ever meet a person no filters, right? They're very refreshing. Yeah? But it's not, e- <laughs> it's not easy for everybody. Right? We all live with filters. They tell you, Ma- your mommy taught you manners, and you, hopefully your tati taught you manners, and what to say, what not. But there are people who don't have any filters. They should don't have filters. Toyu has no filters. What do they say in Yiddish? Ba'ashikir, what is often lung, is often sung. And you ever heard that expression? By a drunk, whatever is in the lungs, whatever is in the stomach, whatever is inside, it comes out on the tongue. That's why he's drunk. <laughs> the Lubavitcher Rebbe was once for blanging. It was, I think, Purim. So he said that there was a Yid, his name was Chanya Marazov, Rebel Chanan Daiv Marazov. He was murdered by the Stalinist uh, communists in 1938. He was a very, very big man, a big chassid. So the Pchanya he said, would sit at a He would take mashka, he would drink, and he would speak very real, and very. he was a very, very real person. He's called a pnimi, very authentic person. So he used to say, he said, what, you, think, you think I'm taking mashka because I need to be drunk to say this? No. I need you to think that I'm saying it because I'm drunk so you won't get insulted. <laughs> I could say it all day. I need you to think that I'm drunk so you won't get insulted. You understand? In other words, 
In Toyo, there's no filter. There's mamish no filter. That's the words he used. But Toyo has galosikifi oifen makoyra. In Toyo, things emerge the way they are in their primal state. They don't go through a process of of uh, condense, condensing and filtering and restricting and thinking. Now, some of us, it becomes crazy. Like, before we experience an emotion, there's like a hundred security guards asking, well, 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 wait, show me your ticket. And by the time the emotion wants to come out in my body, it already says, you know what, I'm going home. It's like you go to a, to some to some event, to some show, and there's so many lines, and there's so many tickets, and you're being scrutinized so much. It's like, forget it. Let me just stay home. This is what happens to us. My midas want to come out, but there's so many police, and there's so many security guards. Anybody relates to what I'm saying? My system, show me a ticket. Who gives you a right to be here? And my midas are like, I'm not going to hang out here. I'm out. <laughs> they don't disappear. They just go in to a deeper place and they come out in different ways, sometimes not very uh, productive ways. Because filters can also be very dangerous. Filters can be amazing if they allow something to be channeled in a productive and meaningful and real way. But filters can be very damaging if they obstruct the flow and they don't allow your truth to come out. It's like kids who grow up with filters on their mouths and on their hearts. A filter on your mouth, Mela, but a filter on your heart is dangerous. That's why we need the world of Tayo. The world of Tayo is destructive. It's self-destructive. That's why there's Tikkun. But you need Tayo. <laughs> you need Tayo, because Tikkun can also be destructive by being too much Tikkun. <laughs> by being too structured. So he says, In Tikkun, there's a ray that comes out. And in Toyu, the full intense source comes out. The way it's in the source, it emerges. Even though in Toyu, the revelation is only what's called the chitzonius of the world of Akudim. He's going here into a whole new reality. We learned, if you remember, you could you could watch it if you want to understand what he's saying here. We learned a Maimer in Torah Er Parshas Noyach. It's on the yeshiva.net. Torah Er Parshas Noyach. You go to Torah, Torah Er Parshas Noyach. The Alter Rebbe explains there's three worlds. Akudim, Nekudim, Obrudim. Akudim means bound. It's bound up. Everything is one. Nikudim is the world of Tayu, where everything is pointed, Nikudas. And Brudim is the world of integration. And those are the three types of sheep that Yaakov dealt with when he was by Lavan. Akudim, Nikudim, and Brudim are three states of reality. This is a major theme in Torah, Ur, Parshas, Noyach. We learned all Maimer, explained in the Torah If you want to watch it, you can go to the yeshiva.net, Torah, in Torah, this Torah, Ur, Torah, Ur, Parshas, Noyach, a whole Maimer about this. So he says, even though Tayu, comes after Akudim, and it's only the revelation of the externals of Akudim. He says, that's true. Tayu doesn't give everything, but whatever it gives, it gives it the way it is, without filters. In Tikkun, it's only a ray. This means that in Tayu, the Midas are even more intense, more primal. And therefore, there's no way 
that moichin intellect can affect them. Because of this primal intensity, no seichel can affect them. Ki imaydei pnimiyas abash or pnimiyas atik. Unless the midas are opened up. Unless you're opened up. To pnimiyas abba. Pnimiyas abba means the pnimiyas of chachma. Abba is called chachma, the father. And what's the pnimiyas of abba? Shehu pnimiyas atik. Which essentially the pnimiyas of abba is pnimiyas atik. Pnimiyas atik means the core tainug of a person. Generally, we have the faculties of Seichel, is Chachma Bina Das. Then we have the seven Midas. Above it, we have something called Keser. In Keser, there's two spaces, Arich and Atik. In Chesidus, it's Rotzen and Tainug. Rotzen is desire, that's Arich. And Atik is Tainug, pleasure, which is deeper than Arich. So the Al-Rebbe explained, the Al-Rebbe explained it, that Pnimius Abba, Pnimius Atik, which says in Kabbalah, the deepest core of Chachma is the deepest core of Atik. That's what he explained in the previous chapter, that Chachma is a reflection of Tainug, and Midas are a reflection of Ratzin. So Pnimius Abba, the deepest Pnimius, the core core, if you go to the deepest core of Chachma, if you can trace it back to its ultimate core, what is it? It's Pnimius Atik. It's the Pnimius HaTainug. It's who I am. It's the essence of the soul. When that's introduced into the world of the Midas, then Then the Midas can experience a bitl, they can open up, they can relax. They don't have to be so uptight and intense because they're introduced through bitl, to the And then Seichel can affect them in very positive ways, in all of the ways that we explained earlier, by opening the Midas to the world of bitl. Somebody just wrote... And it touches on this. Somebody just wrote, Midois, I think, cannot contradict Seichel because there can't be contradictions in reality when it comes down to it. So another solution to accepting irrational Midas and situations, such as a gangster attacking you, God forbid, may be to truly understand what occurred as opposed to running from understanding. For example, understanding that the gangster may be hungry and starving and he needs some money or he has no power and no validation and that's what he's looking for. And that might dominate the trauma even better than accepting it blindly. Hmm. Did you ever try to do this? Whoever wrote this? <laughs> Many of you are going like this, like, that's not how you deal with trauma. Don't use your explanations. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So, you want a practical illustration for this? It's a great question, and that's, that's the ultimate question after everything we learn. What does this mean in my life in a very real and authentic way? So I think we have to sit with this and and daven with it, and meditate with it, and reflect on it, but also live with it. And I think one way, one one thing we could learn from, we could learn a lot of things, but I think one thing that becomes, I think, very powerfully relevant is the idea that you don't have to be afraid of your midas. And don't try to change your midas, or your wife's midas, or your husband's midas, or your children's midas. <laughs> Or your students' midas. 
people have been asking me, somebody wrote a whole email and a comment, I don't understand, they learned that the whole purpose of life is to change your midas. Tikkun hamidas. Right? There's even expressions, an expression of the Alter Rebbe, that he told it, that the Alter Rebbe said, Kol inyan ha who of the function of chassidus is to change. And it comes even from Psad Yagon, he said the purpose of life is tikkun hamidas. So I'm going to ask this person who asked this question to please go back to chapter 2 of the Maimer, because he asked this right in the beginning of the Maimer. So you're not, it's a great question, but he asked this right in the beginning of the Maimer. And he explained over there, and I'm just repeating it, but you could read it more at length, of course I was created and I have to work on myself and learn to become a better person and a more authentic person and a kinder person and a more empathetic person, a more understanding person. And that means working on my midas. We always talk about working on your midas, tikkun hamidas. There's nothing being contradicted here. How do you work on your midas? That's the question. Not if you have to work on midas. What does it mean to work on my midas? The mind is not saying don't work on your midas. What does it mean to work on my midas? He's trying to help me work on my midas. What does it mean? So he says if you really want to work on your midas, you have to understand what they are and understand what they're not. That's the only way you could work on something. Imagine you say work on this person to influence him, but you don't even know anything about this person. If you want to work on your midnights, you have to understand some basic truths about them. And that is that every single midah, every single emotion that you're experiencing can be traced back to very authentic primal drives in me. And those primal drives you cannot get rid of. You don't have to get rid of them. (laughs) This is your neshama. This is your shlichus. This is your DNA. It's like saying, work on your DNA and change it. <laughs> you don't work. You don't change your DNA. This is your life. This is your life. This is me. This is my neshama. I don't have to change that. I need to respect it. I need to embrace it. I need to look at it with compassion. And then, and then I can help my midas become the greatest source of my light. Because your midas are not bad. It's how my midas are being channeled. Or how my midas are being understood by me. Or how my midas are being processed through my mind and through my fears. The fears in my mind. Where the midas can go through all of these types of processes that ultimately could cause them to be channeled sometimes in very negative ways or sometimes destructive ways or depressing ways. But when I can open myself up to the true energy of the Midas, what they really are, and really appreciate what they are, really appreciate. Now I could really work on my Midas. And the first thing you have to understand is that Midas don't change. That's the first thing you have to understand if you want Tikkun HaMidas. What do I mean they don't change? That my deepest primal drives are not subject to Shinuyim. This is who I am, this is my soul, this is the shape of my soul. And if I deny it, if I deny it and I say, no, it's not real, it's not important, I'm I'm denying my reality and therefore I'm denying the light that I'm channeling into the world. That's a good question. 
That's a good question. Now, because, as this person wrote, because some of us suffered from trauma, and there's people sitting here I know who suffered from a lot of trauma and are dealing with it for decades, and I'm talking about some real abuse, unfortunately. And by the way, trauma doesn't have to look very dramatic, (laughs) just for the record. There's a cumulative trauma over years, but what a person does is they don't trust themselves, they don't know themselves, they are triggered, they are wounded in very, very deep places. What all of these types of experiences do is they actually take me away from my midas. My midas are being channeled, they're coming out in all types of strange and destructive ways. And that's why seichel is so important. Understanding, awareness. But only when the seichel is not here to combat the midas. When the seichel is here to open the midas to ein soif. That midas are game. If my primal drives feel that you're going to open me up to infinity, then I'm in. If you're going to take me away from infinity, then I'm going to hide even more. Well, maybe maybe you're saying that's dangerous, but maybe I'm not defining it well, so maybe I don't think it's dangerous. I'll explain what I mean. It's dangerous because you think infinity takes you away from people, but here he's saying the exact opposite. It's allowing my primal drives to find a home, to find a space, and therefore they can actually flow through my life in a seamless way. And I'm not afraid of them. And I don't have to restrict them. And I don't have to manipulate them. And they don't have to come out in different ways. And I don't need survival skills. A lot of trauma is I develop survival skills to be able to live. And I'm now living by those survival skills. And I don't even know it. You understand? I'm just trying to survive. It's like fight or flight. Because certain parts of my brain didn't develop. So my primal drives are being protected through all of these types of defense mechanisms that are constantly happening and functioning in me. I space out. I detach. I'm angry. I'm resentful. I'm frightened. What is that all? Those are all real feelings. They're all real feelings. And they're feeding off my primal drives. But there's so much fear over there that my identity is so restricted and I'm operating from such a small place of survival without the expansiveness. So now you scream at those primal drives to get with the program. They're going to hide even more. Unless I can open, open myself up to the full glory of my primal drive. Bittel ain't safe opens up the primal drives, opens up the middles to their full glory, <laughs> to their full potential, to their full infinity. It's connecting the Adam to the Loy Adam. And the Loy Adam to even a deeper space. And then what can happen is they can become a unity and a flow from the inner to the outer so that my relationships in this very real world with me, with my spouse, with my kids, 
with my siblings, with my parents, with other people, with strangers, with friends, with acquaintances, with very close people, is one in which there is a flow. We call it the flow. You become a channel. There's a real flow, and there's a real give and take. And I can allow you into my life, and you can allow me into your life, and I can allow you to touch my midas, and I can allow my midas to touch you. We can actually touch each other. There's a texture. I, 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 get, I become familiar with the texture of my midas. Somebody writes here, in response to the other person who said, try to teach your trauma about the rational realities, and that's a way of dealing with it. For example, the motivations of the gangster. I think failing to engage trauma, like you said, is part of the self-serving. I'm a poor victim. It's a mentality that simply perpetuates the trauma. The fact is that in everything that occurs in reality, everything that occurs in reality is part of reality. And at the very least, doesn't contradict reality, doesn't contradict Seichel. And if we want to overcome our narrative, it's only when we engage our trauma with intellect, with explaining to it reality, understanding it honestly and authentically, then the trauma will not survive, since it's only traumatic from that lower, more ignorant point of view. But if I'm not ignorant, if I'm open to real truth and seichel, the trauma will not be able to survive. You're making sense, but I have to say that there's something about what you're saying that I simply don't think is true. Not because you're not making sense. You're making a lot of sense, but I don't think trauma cares about that. And I don't, I think if, if you don't acknowledge that, you can't heal it. And I think this is one of the chidushim of this mimer. Would you say that this mimer is laying out the blueprint, the path, for a person to live in alignment with their true eye, but in order to get there, you have to be in alignment with the Ein Soif via Bittl. Yes, that is a very, very, uh, as usual, you have grasped it and you are defining it very well. A lot of questions today. Good questions. Thank you. I appreciate the questions because this is not, uh, this is, uh, this is pretty heavy stuff. The way I understand what you're saying is another question that ultimately we have to learn to be free to be ourselves, our best selves, not having to self-censor, not being afraid of the effect of our decision, not needing to mitigate, filter, compromise, suppress, repress, mutilate, amputate, censor parts of ourselves. The goal is we should eventually be able to be really free to be ourselves, our best selves. I like, I like what you're saying. I don't understand this whole idea. This is very hard for me to wrap my brain around. I need detailed steps of how to even begin to understand this, never mind implement this. 
I understand, yeah, it's not easy. I'm also struggling. Listen, this is this is very, very deep stuff and new stuff for a lot of us. So don't feel uh don't feel you're the only one struggling to understand all this. Okay. We're going to uh we're going to take a break here and I'm gonna wish everybody a beautiful day and an inspiring week. Thank you for joining us. So you're struggling because it's deep yet? Yeah. Okay, well said. Hatzlochet, everybody. These things, these things people learn 50 times, 60 times, 70 times, 80 times, 100 times. <laughs> yeah, so listen, you're right. If, if, if you can process it that way, but let's say you're a child. Yeah, so it sounds good. So tell your child to look at it from the gangster's point of view. Okay, but I think that could only come after the child really feels a sense of being understood and a sense of safety and a sense of security. And the fact that the fear that they're experiencing, they don't have to run away from. And they can release it. They can release it. They have to be able to release it. I think if we right away get intellectual, it's like look at it from the other person's perspective, I delegitimize your your deep awareness and your deep sense of self and your right to be able to experience. And what happens then is, it's not like you become a better person. You just close up that part of yourself. You put a lid on that part of yourself and you don't let other people see it. So what happens to that? It's not like it gets healed. It just doesn't trust. So you actually become more alienated. And your inner core is now hidden because even your own mother or father will not accommodate it. So it's all—it's good to give perspective, but I think perspective should never come at the price of the person feeling delegitimized. It's like, oh, look at it from the other person's perspective. Yeah, but you know, if you slam the door on my finger, my finger is killing. You understand my point? This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.